Hi there, and welcome to the All About Everest podcast, episode 7, George Mallory, part 2, and I am your host, Pauline Reynolds-Nuttall. Last episode, we discussed the life of George Mallory leading up to his third attempt on Mount Everest, and today we're going to cover his final attempt, when they found George Mallory's body, and what evidence there is that if he did or did not summit Mount Everest. So let's go. So I've decided to do the weekly updates at the beginning of the podcast. I think it just flows much better. And before I get to the updates, my mom has been in the hospital for a while and she lives really far away on the other side of the world. And apparently she has been listening to my podcast with my sister. So mom, if you're listening, I love you and I hope you enjoy this. All right, now for the updates. Yost Kobish is still on Mount Everest. He came down for a little bit. It looks like he might be going up back up, but his um, Facebook doesn't indicate if he's given up for this season or not. So I'll keep following him and let you guys know if he reaches 8,000 meters, which again is his goal and not the summit. There are two new books coming out about Mount Everest in the next couple of months. The first one is Naked at the Knife Edge by Vivian James Rigney. He was the 14th Irishman to summit Mount Everest. I did get a review copy before it's even released, and I have to say I'm really enjoying it. I'm only into the second chapter because I've been really busy with a sick kid, but I love how raw it is and all of the emotion coming through all of his doubts, his fears, the nightmares before going up. I'm loving it so far. Definitely a different perspective than some of the other books, which are more factual rather than emotional. I can't wait to read the rest of it and I'll let you guys know what I think. But so far, I'm enjoying it, and hopefully I'll have it done by next week. I don't see why I shouldn't. And then the next book that's coming out, and this one looks like it's being released in May, is Everest 1922, the epic story of the first attempt on the world's highest mountain. And this one is written by Mick Conifree. And... Don't know much more about it. I'm hoping to get a review copy, but basically it's about the first attempt on Mount Everest in 1922 by George Mallory and a British team. I'm really excited and looking forward to it just because it's the beginning, right? It's the beginning of what started it all. So... I can't wait until it comes out. On another note, one of my listeners messaged me and I need to make a correction. So 
George Mallory was the first Westerner to set foot on Mount Everest and to attempt the first summit attempt. I said first person, and we don't even know if that's correct or not because people have lived in that region for well before George Mallory and well before anyone tried to summit it. So the first Westerner. Anytime that you have a comment or I missed something or I need to make a correction, please reach out to me. You can find me at Mama Bear Outdoors or All About Everest Podcast on social media. The Everest IMAX movie was re-released last week on the 18th to select theaters. It's been remastered in high resolution so that a new generation can experience this movie. It was a hit at the box office when it premiered in 1998 and it's been 25 years since it was filmed. So if you have a movie theater open and near you that is screening it, go check it out. Take the kids, take your friends. It would be a great thing to see in the theaters, even though right now the closest theater to us is over an hour away because our local one shut down um, because of the pandemic, which is really unfortunate. So there is one movie and one documentary being filmed this year about Mount Everest. The documentary is going to be called Everest Legacy, and it is about Sir Edmund Hillary's son, Peter, and his grandchildren. They'll be going to Mount Everest this year and attempt to reach the summit during this spring climbing season. Um, it's going to cover, you know, their family and Mount Everest, of course. But it's also, from my understanding, it's going to cover some of the changes on Mount Everest, including some of the problems like overcrowding, trash, climate change, etc. So we'll be following them this coming climbing season to see if they reach the top. And we'll be looking forward to watching the documentary. It'll be released next year for the 75th anniversary of the first summit of Mount Everest by Tenzing Norgay and Sir Edmund Hillary. The movie that is going to be filmed this year, it's called Everest, just like the 2015 movie except this one is going to be about George Mallory and it's actually based on Paths of Glory by Jeffrey Archer which is historical fiction. It is based on fact but it is a dramatization and that's what Jeffrey Archer is known for in all of his books which he is one of my favorite authors so I'm hoping that they do his writing justice but it's not a documentary it's an actual movie and we'll see how that goes. Ewan McGregor is going to be playing George Mallory and I'm excited about that. He is one of my favorite actors and so I'm excited to see if it if this movie will be released in 
2022, 2023, or maybe even later than that. Because I know right now with the pandemic and filming, things don't always go as planned and things get pushed back. But if I hear anything more about this movie, I will definitely let you know. And I am currently rereading Paths of Glory. So we left off last episode right before the 1924 expedition, which would be George Mallory's final attempt. And as we all know, he and Andrew Sandy Irvine are going to perish. So there were 60 porters and 12 members of the expedition team. Amongst them, Charles Bruce, Edward Norton, Bentley Beetham, Jeffrey Bruce, John Hazard, R.W.G. Hingston, Andrew Irvine, John Noel, Noel O'Dell, and remember Noel O'Dell because he's kind of important um, when we're talking about the last sighting of Mallory and Irvine, E.O. Chabert, and Dr. T. Howard Somerville. So that was the whole expedition, and they got there in June. They learned a lot from the 1922 or 21 and 22 expeditions, including the importance of porters, use of oxygen, and how to be better prepared. The whole reason that Andrew Sandy Irvine came on the expedition was because of the oxygen, because he knew so much about the apparatus and had made all these little changes to make it better. He had some mountaineering experience, but not very much. However, they brought him along anyway because his technical skills when it came to tinkering and fixing things were phenomenal. Because Nepal was still forbidden to foreigners, the British expedition made their Everest attempt again from Tibet, the Chinese side of Mount Everest. And one of the things about this route is that it has what's called the second step, which is at 8,605 meters. It is extremely difficult to um, cross it because it's just this massive cliff of rock. In the 70s, 1975, they installed a semi-permanent ladder just to get to the top. The 1924 expedition was planned out extremely well. Everything from what they would take where they would establish their camps, their routes, who would make the first attempt, and all of the teams. It, they were really thorough. Um, they were kind of late getting to Mount Everest because of poor weather. And then when they got there, they were delayed even further because of even more bad weather. Modern weather prediction would have come in handy, I think, for this expedition because 
the weather changed a lot of things. Um, eventually they made it to camp four and they decided that three different attempts were going to be made. The first attempt was scheduled for Mallory and Bruce. The second one for Somerville and Norton. Odell and Irvine were going to stay behind and would hopefully make a third attempt. The first and second attempts were without bottled oxygen and they realized that that was not going to work. On June 1st, Mallory and Bruce attempted the first attempt supported by nine porters. Previously, they had decided that the strongest, the 15 strongest porters would be called Tigers and would form the support team. A lot of the porters got sick beforehand from altitude sickness and things like that. So they handpicked the most capable of the porters to help support their summit bid. And again, you know, this is something that they had learned from the previ previous expeditions that porters could be extremely helpful in reaching the summit. Nowadays, almost everybody has a support team with them. On that first attempt, Bruce and Mallory were able to establish Camp 5, but a couple of the Sherpas gave up and basically abandoned them and went back down. The second attempt was made on June 2nd by Norton and Somerville, and they had six porters with them. Um, they met Mallory and Bruce as they were coming back down and they weren't really sure why and then they found out <clears throat> that some of the porters had just up and left. On June 4th, Norton and Somerville were able to start their summit bid, but they didn't get too far. Um, there were a couple little delays because of equipment malfunctions and they went without bottled oxygen. Somerville got sick and so Norton tried to uh, go ahead of him and do it by himself but he just wasn't able to. However, Norton was able to um, make a world record or it was at the time and he reached a high point of 8,570 meters which is 28,120 feet before he turned back and that record wasn't broken until 1952. He even got close to the summit. He was less than 280 meters, which is 920 feet, before he turned around. Uh, as he was coming back down that night, Norton became completely snowblind, and he stayed that way for a couple of days.
So the third and final attempt was made by Mallory and Irvine on June 5th. They were at Camp 4. Uh, Mallory spoke to some of the other expedition members about why he was choosing Sandy as his climbing partner because Irvine didn't have a lot of experience and the two things that he had going for him were that he knew how to make that oxygen apparatus work and you know if there was problems how to fix it quickly but also he was young he was I believe he was the youngest member of their expedition and Mallory felt that um, picking Sandy Irvine as his partner would basically get him to the top. On June 6th they left Camp 5 with a couple of porters and um, then they sent them down. Because they decided that they would be able to get to the top. On June 7th, Odell went up to Camp 5 to support the summit team. And he found a lot of stuff that had just been left. There was a flashlight that had been left, um, part of an oxygen apparatus had been left. Um, Odell, you know, did a quick search and he found a message left by Mallory that <laughs> they'd left everything in such a mess, they'd forgotten multiple things and their cooker that they used to heat snow for water had rolled rolled down the mountain, but they were going to head for the top anyway. And that Mallory planned on getting back to camp for the next day. One of the things that's well known about George Mallory is that he was a little scatterbrained and extremely forgetful. He would forget things in some of the weirdest places and that might have been detrimental to his summit attempt because he left behind his flashlight and then you know being so scattered that they dropped their camp stove which that was pretty much the only way for them to get water to drink and stay hydrated losing that cooker again that might be something detrimental as well like if you can't see the way or if you can't stay hydrated because you don't have a way to get yourself water so we'll just add it to the list of why they possibly didn't make it to the top so the last little note that Mallory left and he sent it down with the porters read dear no we'll probably start early tomorrow 8th to have clear weather. It won't be too early to start looking out for us either crossing the cross the rock band under the pyramid or going up skyline at 8 p.m. So this was really confusing because of when it was written. So it was determined he meant 8 a.m. not 8 p.m. like what the letter said and this adds to him being a little 
absent-minded and scattered all the time. And by Noel, he meant John Noel and not Noel Odell because he usually called them by their last name. So when John Noel got the little note, um, he understood that Mallory meant 8 a.m., not 8 p.m., and he also knew what part of Everest Mallory was referring to. So the pyramids like the step and then the yellow band, meaning the band. So they set up a viewing point to kind of see if they could um, see Mallory and Irvine go up towards the mountain with a telescope. And they also had a camera attached to it so that if they spotted them, they could take pictures. John Noel did not see them. However, Odell woke up in the morning and while he was looking up at the mountain, he was um, able to spot them in the early afternoon. The time of day really changes. I've heard it's 2 p.m., 12 p.m., even as late as 4 p.m. I think that the most accurate from what I've been reading is it was 2 a.m. He saw Irvine and Mallory heading up a cloud, covered his line of view and then they disappeared and were never seen again. It could have been closer to 1 p.m. the last time that Odell saw Mallory and Irvine. It just really depends on what you're reading and what research you're doing because there's so many different perspectives and also this was almost a hundred years ago. So a lot has got gotten lost over the years. But what we do know 100% to be correct is that Odell was the last one to spot them to the best of everyone's knowledge and that they were never seen again alive anyway. Odell was really concerned because a winter storm quickly came in. They did search for them the next day and Odell did go up, but they were unable to find them. And that's where the picture of the infamous X was put in the snow. He took six blankets and put them in this in an X so that the spotters below could understand that they were unable to find Mallory and Irvine. So no one really knows what happened um, until 1999 when the expedition to find Mallory and Irvine discovered Mallory's body. Now there are way more clues than before. So in 1999, a group of mountaineers, adventurers, researchers, etc. that was privately funded started an expedition to find George Mallory. 
essentially they were looking for both Mallory and Irvine, hoping for Irvine because of the camera, this notorious camera that had been with Mallory and Irvine when they attempted the summit. And what people are hoping is if they ever do find this Kodak camera, that there may be pictures of Mallory and Irvine reaching the top. Which it could have happened, but it's not likely. And a lot of it is because of the second step. But getting back to the 1999 expedition, um, there were several people involved uh, Jochen Hemleb, Conrad Anker, Jake Norton, Andy Pollitz, and Tap Richards, just to name a few of them. Uh, the expedition leader was Eric Simonson, and there's quite a few other people that were involved. There's just way too many to name. The expedition had very little information to go on. They did know that Mallory and Irvine had attempted to summit from the northern route from Tibet. And then they had another little piece of information that was over 20 years old. Um, a Chinese climber in 1975 named Wang Hongbao went out for a walk and he discovered a body and he thought it was based on the clothing and the shoes. He described it as an old English climber. Um, he told one other person about his discovery, but before he could give people more information, um, he was killed in an avalanche in 1979. So again, very little information to go on. So on May 1st, 1999, um, the expedition started their search and the person who found George Mallory's body was Conrad Inker. And he was, you know, if you look at the documentaries and the videos, he was just plodding along and all of a sudden he saw something white, which didn't look like anything else on the landscape. So he went and he looked, um, he called his team kind of in code because they didn't want anybody to know that they had discovered Mallory. And at first they thought it was Irvine, but when they looked closer at the body, um, written inside the tag on the clothing, it said George Mallory. And it was such a huge discovery. I would really recommend watching the documentary and also the book about the 1999 discovery of George Mallory's body. The book is really good. Um, the documentary is a little bit graphic because it does show the corpse, 
Um, so it might be disturbing to some people. So the expedition took a lot of photographs, a DNA sample, and brought down a lot of artifacts. Um, after their discovery and collecting as much information as they could, they did have a little ceremony for George Mallory and they covered his body with rocks. So he was found at 8,155 meters, which is 26,760 feet. So that's pretty high. That's about a thousand feet from the summit, give or take. So Mallory's body was found face down. His right leg was broken pretty badly. Um, and his face had his eyes closed. And um, even though there are no pictures of it, it was determined to be very well preserved. He had a gash in his head as well. Um, there was a broken rope tied around him. He had his snow goggles inside his pocket. They found with him a whole package, packet of letters inside his jacket. Um, he had told everyone that he carried a photo of his wife, Ruth, with him and that if he reached the summit of Mount Everest, he was going to leave his picture up there. Her picture was not on his body. If it had been, then it would have been probably tucked in with all of the little letters and notes. And so it would have been preserved because they were in really good shape. The fact that his goggles weren't on his head or face and they were tucked into his jacket could mean that um, they were coming down because of the dark. Again, nobody knows. It just depends on the clues. Um, they did find his altimeter, I think is how you say it in English, and his pocket watch. Both were busted. Some people even think that the watch, the time that it busted was around five, may have been when he fought, fell and died. Nobody knows. They think that maybe Irvine um, died a little bit higher. Depending on which research you look at, he may or may not have reached the summit. But the biggest thing is that step. It is almost impossible to climb and people can only climb it nowadays because of the ladder that was set up by the Chinese way back in the day. I mentioned the, the year earlier and I can't remember it off the top of my head. And um, Conrad Anchor did an expedition I think a little over a decade ago. Um, wearing hobnail boots and they weren't able to make it up that step. There's, 
he thinks that it was very unlikely because it's so difficult and steep. But no one has ever found the camera. And that picture of Ruth, it wasn't on the body. And no one's found Irvine. And the oxygen bottles that they found are higher up on the mountain than George Mallory's body. So it's up to you to decide if he made it to the top or not. I would like to think that they did, that, you know, maybe their death wasn't in vain. But then again, I think it's pretty unlikely. It's such a difficult climb and they didn't have appropriate gear. I mean, they, they didn't have, you know, the down suits and all of the fancy stuff that climbers use nowadays. I mean, they had tweed and hobnail boots and leather and flannel, you know. So I doubt they made it to the top, but you never know. If someone finds that camera, we might finally have a an answer to <laughs> this 100-year-old question. Every couple of years, there's another expedition that heads out to see if they can find more clues. And they have. They found um, Sandy's ice axe above where they found George Mallory. They have found remnants of previous camps, old oxygen bottles, things like that. So... The most recent one, I believe, was in 2019 or 2020. It's the the documentary Lost on Everest is based on that expedition. So I can't wait to see more. I, I, it really is intriguing, this whole search. You know, it's like true crime. Someone asked me once, well, you know, why, why are you so interested in Everest? And it has all of the elements of true crime, mystery, death, tragedy, but there's a lot of triumphs too. I'm a little behind on show notes and resources, so bear with me while I get caught up. I'm trying to revamp my website. I had some stuff go on with it, so now I'm just trying to make it better. So I hope to be caught up by the end of next week. I have a couple interviews scheduled, so I'm not really sure what next week's episode podcast will be. Um, if I don't get at least one interview done, then it will be about Yetis on Mount Everest and the Himalaya because it seems like every single episode since I started has been about death. And so I want a change of scenery, if you will. So if I don't have an interview for next week, it will be about um, the abominable snowman. And then the other thing I wanted to say is you might notice like little bumps and 
knocks in the background while I'm talking. Well, that's my hands. I talk with my hands and I gesture very wildly, especially when I'm excited. So imagine that when you hear those little noises in the background. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe, follow, rate so that I can keep this podcast going. If you have any comments or anything like that, you can contact me on social media, either Mama Bear Outdoors or All About Everest Podcast. Have a good rest of your week.